Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brand. Thanks for joining me. If you're new here, I'm a certified functional medicine practitioner and nutritional therapist. I operate worldwide. I love helping people. It's so fun. It's addicting when you get to look at lab results and you see something wrong and then you create a protocol and you retest and you found out that you fixed it, whether it was something with their dopamine levels being too high and that's why they were so angry and grumpy all the time to someone that had a bunch of digestive issues and sleep issues because they had gut infections and you resolve the infections and now they can finally get a restful night of sleep. It's just really, really addicting to be able to see how significantly and how fast you can change someone's life if you First of all, get the data, get the clinical data that the conventional medical practitioners are just unable to get. They're using outdated testing methodologies, and most of the stuff they look at is simple blood work, or if they do further investigation like CAT scans or CTs or MRIs, you're getting exposed to EMF and radiation to try to investigate, and then at the end of the day, even if they do find something wrong with you, their only solutions are drugs or surgery, and that's just ridiculous. It doesn't have to happen that way, which is why I do what I do. So thank you for being along the journey. If you do have any health issues you'd like to discuss with me, I have a full list of conditions and things that I can help with on my site. Just go evanbrand.com, go to the bottom, click conditions, and you can read through the full list there. You know, I work with a lot of women who have fertility problems, work with a lot of children these days that are having behavioral issues and other type of problems. So just go look at the full list if you're interested in learning more about my services. Now today we're going to chat with Anne Louise Gittleman. She was on the show recently, so you'll probably recognize her voice. I'll tell you, Anne, she doesn't need to push to buy her book as hard as she does. You know, part of me is like, Anne, just stop. Because she's like, oh, well, they have to read my book. They have to read my book. I get annoyed when people do that. But I still love Anne. She's a great person and she has great information. However, she just tries a little too hard to get people to buy the book. My advice is like, okay, look, if you have good content, people are going to buy the book. So she wants you to do it. I've got this short link if you just want to write this down and you're like, hey, I may want to check out her book. It's less than 20 bucks, less than 20 bucks, $20. Just write down evanbrand.com slash radical. And that's the link where you can check out the book and pre-order it. It comes out tomorrow, which is August 28th. Let's get into the show. I hope you enjoy it. Anne Louise Gittleman, welcome to the show. Hi, Evan. How are you? I'm doing good. So what's going on? You wrote another book. And oh, my gosh. How's that going? Did you did you like – so, so I mean, what's, what's the secret? What's the truth here about book writing? Because I've heard when you get big and famous and you have a successful book like you did that you technically don't write your books anymore, that like people – have you know some people they record audio and then those people transcribe it to books like i spoke with julia ross and she doesn't uh write on a computer anymore she writes on a typewriter and then somebody writes it on a computer for her like how are you writing books these days logistically i dictate i'm so old-fashioned i actually dictate i have a wonderful collaborator who's able to do all the typing and the transcribing but i dictate i give her my vision i give her my words i give her the chapter outline she comes back to me with a treatment i go over that i edit it we do it three or four times and voila that's what you do in this day and age because i don't think i could personally write another book i mean i wrote my first three books and when i say write, i was literally typing on the keyboard and it like destroyed my health it was absolutely terrible (laughs) I'm not laughing because of that. That happened to me about 30, 40 years ago when I wrote Beyond Pritikin. and I said, this is the last one. I need a vacation. I can't do this anymore. So 35 books later, I'm still at it, but I have a little different technique. So that's why I wrote Radical Metabolism, because this is indeed radical. We're talking radical here. Yep, yep. So uh, in, in terms of dictation, 
where and how do you do that? You just record an audio file on your computer, you do it on your phone. Talk me through the, the granular details here. We have this new system. It's some sort of Google system that my collaborator sent me. And so I simply talk for three hours and she transcribes. That's cool. And you it's just have, totally cool. You have just like an outline in front of you and then you're like, okay, now I'm going to say the gallbladder does this and that and that. And then she outlines it for you or writes it out. No, no, I, I cast the vision. I know what I, I can write a whole book in my head. You know, I used to tell people God felt sorry for me. They looked at me and said, she can't clean. She doesn't really like to cook. She doesn't sew. I'll just make her doubly creative. So I do books in my head. I mean, that's what I do. And then when I get an idea and a vision and I talk it out, the ideas just come to me. It's like a creativity wellspring that I download from higher management. That's kind of how I do it. That's cool. So in this little blurb about your book, it's called Radical Metabolism. That's the new book that we're talking about. You say go beyond. Everybody says go beyond. And it's always like kind of buzzwordy to say that. So when you say go beyond keto and paleo, what do you mean? Well, we're taking the concepts of being of having a fat-fueled metabolism but making it really tweak to what's happening in this day and age. We have a lot of people that can't absorb and assimilate fat, so eating a high-fat diet is not necessarily the answer, particularly if it's one with saturated fats. You need to go back and integrate the essential fatty acids into the diet. That's number one, which is missing from paleo and keto. And you need to make sure that your bile is flowing adequately, slowly, and thinly so that you can absorb all the toxins and all the fat that you're assimilating and perhaps not digesting. So you need bile to break down fat. You need bile to detoxify. And this, and these programs, Evan, I'm the first one that's telling you that these programs may not be good for you, particularly if you have a sluggish gallbladder or have no gallbladder, which is true with many women that are 40, frazzled, and fatigued. So let me clarify. You're saying following a ketogenic plan without a gallbladder, you're saying is likely not going to work out very well. Not long-term, it won't work out. And then you're missing all your fat-soluble vitamins, vitamins A, D, E, and K. And you know how important D is in this day and age. And why are you saying you're missing those? Because you're not absorbing them. You need the bile to break down the fat so you can absorb and assimilate essential fatty acids from your 3, 6, 7s, and 9s. And you need that as a carrier for the fat-soluble vitamins. So every single woman I work with that does not have a gallbladder has had previous gallbladder issues. I'm using some type of a high-dose enzyme with added bile in there. Are you saying that that doesn't do anything? Or is there something else that should be done on top of supplemental acids and enzymes? Well, you're extraordinarily intuitive and bright, but the majority of people that are working with women that don't have a gallbladder don't know that they need bile salts. So every time a female or a male eats that doesn't have their gallbladder, they should be taking bile substitutes to make up for the missing bile, which is not timed adequately when they're taking a meal high in fat. You're doing exactly the correct thing. And of course, I go into more detail in the book and talk about the importance of bitters so that you can, your body can start to detoxify itself on a time-by-time uh, -time basis by making bile in the liver so that you're making quality bile from the uh, instigation from the, the bitters that you're taking, whether it's in certain herbs or certain uh, lemons, and, lemons and limes so that you're having certain fruits, certain vegetables. And the bitters are very important as well, not just the bile salts. So all that is explained in the book. So there's also a connection between hypothyroidism and gallbladder issues, correct? 
Yes, and it's the strangest thing. I call it the holy alliance that nobody ever suspected. And it started when I began speaking with some of my fellow associates and said, you know, I'm seeing this connection between people that have gotten their gallbladder out in a metabolic slowdown. And uh, one of my doc friends, it was Raphael Kalman, uh, to be exact, said, I see it about three to six months after somebody has their gallbladder out, then they have a metabolic slowdown. People become more hypothyroid, they get overweight, they put on weight, they can't lose it. So in the literature, I found an interesting but very unusual connection between the secretion of bile salts and the transference of T4 into active T3. And I thought that was worthy of a book. Got it. So say that again. You're saying that with the help of bile, that helps to convert T4 to active T3. Is that what you're saying? In the secretion of bile, which breaks down fats into the very essential fatty particles that your body needs, it starts to promote that transference that activates the transference of T4 to T3. Yes. I believe it's through the brown fat mechanism, which I also describe in the book. So I've talked before about cortisol and adrenals being a factor for thyroid conversion. So this is something else to add to that list. People could just Google on their own. You can Google Hashimoto's gallbladder and you're going to find that a lot of people that have Hashimoto's end up developing gallbladder. You kind of said it can happen in the other order as well, which is after getting gallbladder removal, you develop thyroid problems. But I've seen it the other way too, which is you develop autoimmune thyroid and then after that, that slows everything down. Then you develop gallstones or something and then you get the gallbladder out so it because like- it, it goes both ways and that was my next comment and thank you very much for reading the script yes it goes both ways and i also think there's a connection with graves disease so i think all kinds of autoimmune problems with the thyroid might have a bile slash gallbladder connection that's one reason that everybody that suspects they have an issue with hypothyroidism hashimoto's graves disease or if, or has had their gallbladder out really needs to pick up and pre-order radical metabolism it very well could change your life and i don't say that i don't say that uh, cavalierly so there's a woman out there i haven't interviewed her yet i can't remember her name but all she does is talk about gallbladder attacks and what you can do to try to mitigate it i want to get your two cents on gallbladder attacks let's say someone does have what they suspect to be a gallbladder attack they go and they get an ultrasound or some other type of procedure done and then they say yes you do have gallstones what do you do in that situation? <clears throat> you do a couple of things. You can use orthophosphoric acid, which I talk about in the book, uh, and there are a couple of companies that put it out with the drops that you take two or three times a day that can help to uh, decongest the gallbladder and break up the stones, number one. You can take a good bitter product, number two, or just have a gallbladder support that has the bile salts, maybe some uh, beetroot, as well as lipase. Yeah, so I know Progressive Laboratories makes one. I didn't see that you talked about that one. Do you do you you know of that one? That's the liquid one, the OPA. The uh, Progressive Labs has one. Well, thank you for letting me know. I didn't. I know Biotics and I know Standard Process. Oh, good. Biotics has one. I didn't know that. Okay. I, yeah, and they're a wonderful company. I have a very close relationship with the Northwest distributor, and I feel that their products are just outstanding. So orthophosphoric acid, it will also break down kidney stones, by the way. Ah, interesting. So I see they have a liquid and they have a tablet here, the one they call the superphosphozyme. Mm-hmm. Understood. And do you have a preference over you know, liquid versus tablet? 
I kind of like the liquid. I want to get it in as soon as we can and have it absorbed properly. So I'm a big fan of the liquid. And are you thinking that you can dissolve gallbladder stones with this? Well, the word on the street is that it does it more more adequately and accurately than any of those gallbladder cleanses where you're using the olive oil and the lemon juice and the the grapefruit. So yes, I've seen real examples of what this does when you clean out your system using orthophosphoric acid. Now, for some people, you have to use it two times a day. Other people use it three times a day. But it works like a charm. But that's not all you do. I talk about the three basic foods in radical metabolism that many people with gallbladder pain, gallbladder issues, and gallbladder stones have a real sensitivity to. So getting on a particular diet is also important, or at least an elimination diet of the three top foods. And the three top foods are things you're saying that are irritating? They create a certain type of inflammation that we think is very problematic with the bile ducts. Yeah, the research was done as early as the 1960s, late 60s. It has gone absolutely ignored and uncovered and unsuspected. But taking away certain foods can also ease gallbladder pain and can prevent gallbladder stones from being formed in the future. That's what the anecdotal word is on the street. And what are those? Well, I'd like people to read my book. Oh, come on. Give us at least one or two of them. Well, I may. One of them is onions. Why? I don't know the mechanism behind it. I really don't know what, me- what, what onions have to do with all of this, but onions is definitely one of the top three. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you one that I've noticed clinically, and you can just shake your head or give us some indication. Eggs is one I've mm. noticed. Yeah, well, it's the number one gallbladder sensitivity food, and we're going to uh, let, the, let them buy the book for number two. I know. I'm sure they will. But you got to give them some killer here, not filler. So that's good. All right. So so let's go back to the gallbladder question because this is something that's happening every single day across the planet and in the U.S. And these people get fear-mongered by the practitioner. They say, you've got gallbladder stones. We've got to pull out the gallbladder. Is there a certain point where you say, yes, you do need to proceed with getting the gallbladder removed? You know, I'm not in a position of being able to tell you what that point is, but I can tell you that if the gallbladder, God forbid, is turned gangrene, then it's time to get it removed. Okay. What would so you- that's, that's pretty darn severe at that point. If you're just experiencing pain, then I don't think it would hurt to try any of these therapies and treatments that I talk about in the book, particularly the added bitters to the diet and some of the supplements that we specifically use to break up gallstones. And you talked about the orthophosphoric acid as being one of them. Okay. Okay. And did you, did you ever have gallstones yourself? I had a gallbladder attack many years ago, and it's not fun. You no, think you're not. having a heart? Think you're having a heart attack? My God! Yeah, I had a gallbladder attack when I was actually doing a Giardia protocol because apparently some of the parasites—I don't know if you know this. If so, I'll share it anyway. Is that? No, I I know it very well. I wrote about it. They love to live in the gallbladder ducts. Well, so here's what I think happened. I think what happened was that, and you tell me if you think a different mechanism was going on. I believe that. When I started to throw in the herbs to kill off the giardia, that the giardia, maybe they were swimming up into the duct further to try to hide from the digestive system so they wouldn't get killed. You think that's what was happening? Or- well, they, they live in the gallbladder. Their favorite place to hide is actually in the gallbladder. So a lot of times when it's not an issue of gallbladder stones and you have an ultrasound and they say you're stone-free and you still have pain, it very well could be Giardia because that's its favorite hiding place, the gallbladder. Interesting. Any other bugs that you know that, that like the gallbladder? 
not bugs like Giardia that are gallbladder uh, places of, of um, how do we call these? It's a, um, it's one of those cities, one of those, um, I'll think of it. You know, I've been on the road for the past three days, getting up at three in the morning, so you have to excuse me. No, that's uh, fine. It, yeah, so, so here's... But, but, the- but it's, a safe, it's a safe haven, but here's the other issue here that yeah. I think your listeners need to know, and that is that the gallbladder is the place, the bile is the place. It's a detox mechanism that the liver provides for us, and it's where all of your hormones are dumped that to be broken down, as well as heavy metals. Heavy metals like to hide in the gallbladder as well, including copper. Interesting. So everybody was like freaking out after they heard the episode we did together and you were talking about kombucha. And do you so you never do kombucha? I I I did it once and stayed up for four nights. Yeah, I'm very familiar with kombucha, Whoa, but it's a Why? Why did that happen? Because I'm very sensitive. I'm super sensitive. And That's it was why. the caffeine or or what? No, I don't think it was the caffeine. I was thinking, I think it was all the free yeast that were fo- that were fomented and fermented due to the kombucha. Now we also know it's a very high source of fluoride, which is one of the reasons that I take it away from almost all my people. Ah, ah, yeah. So if people just Google Giardia gallbladder, you can read more about this in the literature. There's all sorts of publications, even from the 1940s. Believe it or not, they call it cholecystitis due to Giardia. So you can read about that. That's pretty crazy. So, Anne, you were you were out traveling to promote this book. You said you were up in New York. What were you doing up there? I was on television. It was on at a customer appreciation day with one of my biggest fan-based health food stores, quite frankly, that has been promoting my books for 20 years. And I felt I needed to come there to Syracuse to say thank you in person. That's cool. Does the TV stuff actually translate to anything? I just assume that people don't even watch TV anymore because they're too busy on their phones and they're doing YouTube and all that. It actually does. So we did a we did a YouTube. We did uh, some radio. We've done a podcast with regard to this. Of course, not as wonderful as yours, but we did a few other ones uh, while we were there. And of course, a customer appreciation day where I had a special breakfast with three of the recipes from the book and with many of my fans that have been following me for 20, 25 years. So it was lovely to meet and greet everybody. That's cool. Yeah, I just asked that because I've talked with other people who were kind of on the book promotion tour and they say do not travel for books anymore just go on podcasts because it actually sells way better than traveling and making yourself sick jumping on airplanes and all that tim ferris he talked about that as well with his book where he just did a bunch of podcasts and didn't travel he just sat at his house did podcasts and didn't leave his house i'm sure he did but i'm I'm oversimplifying and that he he killed it with his sales well, we're doing very well with sales, thank you very much. And a lot of that is because it's very important for me to still go on the road and meet the people that have made my books such bestsellers. I mean, I've had 35 books to my credit. That's crazy. So I, so I quite honestly felt that I owed it to many of my most ardent followers to do something in person. And, and we did this again as a thank you to this store, which has sold more of my books than any health food store in the country. That's awesome. And don't no, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not hating or judging on you traveling. I was just curious if you noticed that traveling traveling was worth it so that's good to hear that it is oh it all it all is it doesn't bring in the kind of people that a podcast or your wonderful summit does of course but i i feel i I just feel that i i'm so grateful for all these people that have been so supportive that i have to do something to and to return the favor in person and up close and personal right yep that is cool all right so what other mechanisms should we talk about we talk about the gallbladder which i think is just amazing is there any other body system that you really wanted to to dive into 
We could talk about the mitochondria and the cell membrane. That's my favorite other system these days. <laughs> let's talk about it. So let me, before we do that, let's go back to something you said in the very beginning, which you said that most people in the modern world are no longer digesting their fats and proteins. Why are, why are you saying that? Because we don't have hydrochloric acid. We're not, it's, it's very simple. I don't think this is esoteric by any means, Evan, my good buddy. No, I, I agree. I agree. But I, I, was just, I wanted to get clarity because if people hear that, my clients are going to listen and they're going to say, why did Ann say people aren't digesting fats and proteins? Because last week we just had a podcast with Stephanie Sinef and she says the reason no one is digesting the proteins is due to the glyphosate, which is replacing the glycine molecule, therefore making the protein undigestible. That may be partially the issue, but way before glyphosates became part and parcel of our microbiome, so I'm very up on that as well, uh, we've had issues with people digesting protein. There, there are many reasons. One of them is stress, and we've been stressed for the past 30, 40 years. So you stop promoting hydrochloric acid when you're under stress. Over the age of 40, we tend to not produce hydrochloric acid. If you're deficient in zinc or iodine or B1, you don't produce enough HCL. And without HCL, you don't trigger the gallbladder to secrete bile. I think it's pretty simple. HCL is one of those reasons. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of HCL love dr wright's book it's awesome i adore i adore and so let me say one other thing Please. i've been reviewing i've been reviewing blood tests longer than most people out there and i can tell you that the level of protein digestion has gone down dramatically for the past 20 to 30 years I, there's a certain level that's optimally healthy and a lot of people are below that level and one of the reasons is the hcl component well and also everybody's on ppis and all that. Now, you're, you're talking about blood. So I, I measure a lot of things with stool and urine. What are you seeing specifically on blood that's indicating the digestive health? I look at the protein. I do blood. I do poop. I do saliva. I do whatever it takes. I also do hair. I do DNA lately, too. I'm c consulting with a very special DNA individual. So what I'm looking at here is specifically a blood test, which is a good old-fashioned serum. And we're taking a look at the amount of, of not just stored protein or stored iron, but uh, protein, the protein itself. And it's much lower than it's been. There's a downward cycle over the past 10, 20 years. So what marker, when somebody gets their blood test and they look at it, what marker are you looking at for the protein there? 7.2. For what? For just, it's called protein on your blood test. You bet your bippies it is. It's okay. protein. Okay. And awesome. I, and you know what I also look at? What? I look at protein. I look at what the white blood count. You cannot look, and we don't. We talk a. We don't really talk about it in this particular book. But you cannot look at a blood test and look at what those average values are of the lab. They're very askew. You need to know what's ultimately healthy and optimally healthy for the body. Yeah, I, I would agree. So just to repeat what you're saying in a different way so people get it clear is that there's a difference between a functional range and a normal range, quote unquote. And the normal range is anybody who's almost dead who gets blood work drawn. They get factored into the average. So you've got these wide reference ranges that really don't tell you anything because unless you're severely sick, that reference range is not going to apply to you. So you need to have a functional range. 
you bet I'm all for functional integrative medicine. I was practicing that before it became, you know, a very popular term because I was very, very privileged to study with people that were 30 years ahead of their time and learn that it's optimal health that we want, not just the absence of being sick. I would agree. So another thing I look at, and I was just, you know, seeing if you were going to mention this, is the alkaline phosphatase on the blood because I've seen that when those levels go low, a lot of times that's some type of an absorption probably low HCL problem too when the ALP goes low. Yes, I look at that, but I also look at when it comes to digestion, which is such a big issue in this day and time, I look at the eosinophils and I look at the monocytes, which show if there are any critters that we need to get rid of that could be impeding your digestion. Ah, so what happens with those markers? Which, which way do they go? The eosinophils, the monocytes. High, higher than normal. So I take a look at anything above two and three, monocytes anything above eight, and those are not considered abnormal on a traditional blood test, but that's what I look at. And that makes you suspect specifically what? Viruses, bacteria, parasites? Is there any one particular bad guy? Well, half the parasites carry viruses, so I suspect both. Ah, Interesting. So you're saying like Giardia, for example, you're saying that Giardia could also carry something like Epstein-Barr? It's not Giardia. They're flukes that carry the viruses. So, and you can't tell what kind of parasite, but those are just markers in general that you have to do further testing or do some kind of eliminating program that has the herbals, botanicals, or digestive enzymes. What do you know about liver flukes? I know a lot about them. What do you want to know? I want to know how can you find out if you have them because I don't know if there's any testing to even figure out if they're in there. The problem is that the testing doesn't 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 identify the 300 varieties of parasites under the sun. So that's what the problem is with traditional testing, even the ones that purport to map out your GI tract and so forth. I don't see that. Cuz I've so, seen I've seen pictures, you know, I get so many pictures from clients and it's clearly if you google liver fluke and it looks like this little white almost like a large pumpkin seed, you know, it's got the teeth on it and everything. I've seen pictures of people pooping this stuff out. Well, look at your poop and if you see those kinds of I mean there's nothing like seeing is believing and if you see pictures of it then you know that you may have something. So you go on a program that is designed to get rid of flukes and you should be doing a parasite cleanse twice a year anyways. So if you don't see them then you, you can, just say you go for it and then see what happens. You go for it anyways because we're so we're so uh, exposed in this day and age. We've got exotic foods, exotic travel. We don't know really what's in the water. And you've got daycare centers, you're changing kids' diapers, and our pets, our beloved pets, could be carrying something that they're happy to pass on. So there you go. It's all those elements that were not a concern years ago, back in the day, but they're certainly a concern now, especially with our weakened immunity. And the weakened immunity is due to the chronic stress? Chronic stress, the glyphosates, the nanoaluminum, and the EMFs. Yep. So the nanoaluminum, you're talking about from planes? Well, it's coming from somewhere. You're seeing a lot of that. When I deal with my DNA person that, that uh, I work with when I see my private clients, we're identifying quite a lot of aluminum that we're not finding on typical hair analysis or heavy metal testing. So I believe it's coming from the environment. It may be coming from some of the, uh, some of the foods that we're eating. Maybe it's used as a preservative, but it's certainly somewhere out there because we're finding a great deal of it. And I believe it's cancer-causing. So if you talk to Klinghart, he says it's coming from the planes, but then if you ask a pilot, they're going to say that's a complete myth and it's not true at all. 
Well, we're not going to get into that here, but I can say that I have a lot of lot of belief in what Dr. Klinghart has to say. Okay, okay. So in terms of fluke, since I brought this up to you, uh, is there anything particular? Everyone knows about the berberines and the black walnuts, the wormwoods, the olive leaf, the oregano, etc., for kind of your typical parasites that you can test for, like your giardia, your dentamoeba fragilis, etc. But is there anything that's like game-changing for liver fluke specifically? Do you want to know? Shall I tell you the product I use? Please. All right. So it's my colon cleansing kit. You get it from Unikey. I developed the product over 25 years ago because I actually studied with parasitologists. So we've got special herbs that are in that particular. There are two products. One is a, uh, a liquid. The other is a pill form. And there are particular products that are terrific at getting rid of flukes. One of the herbs that we use is called Centauri, which was used by the Native Americans. It gets rid of flukes and tapeworms and hookworms better than anything we've ever seen. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. So a lot of the stuff I mentioned plus the Centauri. So you've got the black walnut, the wormwood, the fern, the orange, the clove, the butternut, and then the Centauri. And then your other one, you've looks like you've got some probiotics with it. And then the parakeet part of that, that's the cranberry, grapefruit, slippery elm, wormwood, et cetera. The quasia bark, which I use the quasia bark too. That's yeah, great. well, we, we use all that because synergistically it balances the pH so that we support the host as well as the parasite. We get rid of the parasite but support your system in the process. Excellent. So I've not used butternut before. So... You have on your sales page about this that butternut is helpful for pinworms. Is that true? You bet. And little threadworms, pinworms, whipworms. Yep. Ah, that's amazing. See, this is why I love talking to you because I always learn, like, I'm, I'm pretty much, like, up on your level, but you've always got just a couple of little unique things that I didn't know about yet. So that's why I like talking with you. <laughs> that's very sweet. Anything else that you're doing for, for flukes? I do. This is what you have to do. You've got to do uh, this. This particular product works the way nothing else does. So that's that's the product that is the Verma, Vermakia, the Peric, uh, Verma Plus. It's Verma Plus, which is part of my colon cleansing kit. Okay. We, we use that, and you use that in conjunction with our whole dietary program. When you purchase the kit, you get the information, and it gives you the dietary components. I have worked with parasites for a very long time. I can tell you that you need to observe the dietary aspect as well. Tell me about that. So you're eating foods that kill parasites, particularly foods that are like your thyme, your garlic, your carrot tops, your uh, diatomaceous earth, if you want to add that to a smoothie. All of those things can be part and parcel of a healthy diet. Okay, okay. So I know it doesn't really matter because everyone is different, but talk us through like a typical day for you. Obviously, if you're traveling and you're not in your normal routine, you're eating different. So when you're in your routine, you're at home, Take us through your day. Are you eating three meals a day, two meals a day, snacks? Talk us through your day. I love to eat. <laughs> so what so, is your day? What's your day look like? Take us through. You want food or you I, want supplements? I want, let's just, yeah, let's let's just do, do food, food. And then let's hit supplements after. We've got time. All right. All right. So the food on a daily basis. I do a drink in the morning. I use my daily greens from Unikey because it's a product that I that I formulated based on the principles of all the healers that I worked with. So I put the, the green powder in with some kind of collagen-based protein, which is usually a Great Lakes, the water-soluble one. I'm sure you're familiar. I put five drops of iodine from a special radioactive-free iodine supplement. 
I put in uh, some creatinine as a tablespoon of creatinine, a little bit of protein powder from our whey protein, which is made from A2 milk. You're saying, and then you're, I, saying you, you're, you're, you're meaning creatine, correct? Creatine monohydrate? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, see, I'm used to reading creatinine. On I know blood you are. <laughs> I'm so into the blood. So I'm, that's what I'm using, and I'm using, uh, there's one more thing I've been using. Oh, our powdered probiotic, which is called Florikey. It's a pre and powdered probiotic. I take that in the morning, and then I have a full breakfast, organic eggs, turkey, bacon, and some other green. And it's usually arugula. I love the bitters, so I take some arugula. Why, why turkey bacon, not pork bacon? Because I grew up in a kosher home, so I don't eat anything with pork. Oh, okay. So it's not like something's wrong with pork. You just don't eat it. And guess what? For many people with gallbladder issues, that's the second most allergy-producing food. Ah, ah. Okay, so there's your breakfast, and then you're doing some arugula. What else for breakfast? Anything else? That's enough. You're not doing avocado? You're not doing no, any no. oils? No, no. The, the, oh, the oils go in that little drink in the morning. The oils go in the drink. And we use hemp seed oil. Yay, bring back the good omega-6s. We use hemp seed oil in the morning. It's an omega-6, which helps my cell membrane structure. It also helps to enhance the digestive tract, the blood-brain barrier. I love it because it's good for my skin. And when I travel, and I'm older than you are, I'm old enough to, to, to know a little something. People, the, the thing that people will say to me is, how do you keep such nice skin? And one of the secrets of good skin is using the hemp seed oil. I use it two to three times a day. Now, are you doing cannabis? No, I don't. I just use hemp seed oil. Okay, so you don't do any, like, CBD either? I, I personally do not, no. Oh, okay. Any, any reason or you just don't? I just don't. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's breakfast. So what, what's next on your day? A lot of water. Yeah, what kind of water are you drinking? Willard's water. Willard's? What's Willard's? Oh, you got to look up Willard's. He makes water permeate better, which is very good for digestion. It's this old remedy. It's, it's an old-fashioned remedy out of the 90s, the year you were born. And it, it's this remedy that has a particular molecular structure which enables the vitamins and minerals to be absorbed better. And it works wonders for people's digestion, their hair, their nails, to get rid of parasites. Nobody talks about it. I use it. And I see it here. So it says that you add a fourth teaspoon of the concentrate to eight ounces of water, correct? Yep. And that does something. Unbelievable. For Unbelievable. Real? I'm, I'm going to order some. I'm going to try it out. It's totally cool. I use that with my drink. I use it between meals. I, I add it to just about everything. But should we go on to lunch? Yeah, please. All right, because I'm getting hungry. Okay. <laughs> So lunch is a chef salad, and, and I use Follow Your Heart cheese, which is that coconut milk cheese that's on the market, coconut oil cheese. You can get Gouda. You can get, um, you know, what else do you get? Kind of like a jalapeno. You can get provolone. I use that with some more with chicken or beef or shrimp or something with a ton of vegetables. Okay. Are you doing raw veggies or cooked veggies? Raw. Do you do cooked veggies as well? Not at lunch. So just like salady greens, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. All right, dinner? Then I eat down. I don't really snack too much, but dinner is uh, lamb chops. I adore lamb chops. Lamb chops, uh, a starch, maybe some carrot soup with ginger, more greens, a little salad, more hemp seed oil, and maybe a dessert we make with nuts and berries. Okay, what kind of starch are you doing? No grains. 
Okay, so like sweet potato? Well, whatever I write about in Radical Metabolism. Ah, okay. I, what, what, <laughs> we do. All right. We what, do, there we go. Sweet potatoes. Uh, do you plantains? No, I don't care for them. I can't. You know something? My my heritage is Eastern European, and we didn't eat plantain, so I, I go for what my ancestors ate. Right. Sweet, sweet potatoes, maybe a little peas. I adore peas. People forget about I them. I love sweet. peas. Peas are my favorite. Uh, you know how many pounds of peas I eat a week? I probably eat too many peas. Oh, I adore peas myself. I love them with some dill. So we do peas. We do carrots. We do squash. There's a ton of vegetables and then root vegetables in the winter. So I do very little grain. Now, you said that you had an issue with dairy. Do you do butter, though? Yes, it's just cheese that I've grown very intolerant of. I don't do cheese and I don't do milk and I don't do yogurt. But I do lots of ghee and butter. You betcha. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's awesome. All right, well, thanks for talking us through that. So let's talk a few a few minutes about mitochondria and then we'll wrap up. So what... What do you want to say about mitochondria? Well, it's the cellular energy that fuels your body. Those are those little engines that keep us going. And a lot of people are suffering from mitochondria diseases in this day and age. So we can't have that. We have to fuel them with the right kind of fats, which is where omega-6 comes into play because it actually forms the structure of the cellular membrane. So even if you're having a lot of coconut oil and MCT oil and any of these other things that are on the market, you don't do that for this. You don't do that exclusively. You have to include some good omega-6s for your essential fatty acids. Cool. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of the hemp oil as well. So that's great. And there's a lot of really good brands out there that are, you know, fairly priced as well. So you're not doing, are you doing or talking about flax much? That's another book. But yes, people do very well with flax. It's a kind of estrogenetic modulator. So if you need more estrogen, it's very helpful. Love it as a fiber as well. Because when I talked with Dr. Mercola, he was talking about how, you know, you could go for flax seed, but most of the flax oil on the market is likely rancid. So he was like, you need to throw it away. Well, he may not be totally wrong. In this day and age, I'm finding, or recently, that a lot of it tastes very bitter. It should not. So the flax seeds are a really good source of the lignans, much more so than the the oil itself. Ah, okay. So if if your flax oil tastes, if it tastes bitter, you're saying it's potentially rancid. Right, but you don't find that with the hemp seed oil. It's sweet and kind of non- it's very neutral, so it picks up all the flavors that you make your salad dressing with. Now, you don't cook with the hemp seed oil, by the way. You just use it raw. You drizzle it on vegetables or you put it on salad as a dressing. Cool. And uh, I've used the Nutiva because it's been pretty you know, easily accessible. Is there another brand you like of, of hemp seed oil? I like Nutiva and Manitoba. Okay, cool. And hopefully we'll have a lot more you know, USA companies right now, but our stupid laws about hemp are hopefully going to change and be gone soon my uh my guy uh, mcconnell here in kentucky he's really pushing to take hemp off of the list of scheduled substances which is insane that it was ever on the list but hopefully in the next year it will be off oh i agree i hope that i hope that that happens because there's a lot of hemp farms popping up in kentucky here we've got a hemp program so there's quite a quite a lot of hemp farms that are popping up i think it's going to be available and we won't have to use canada we love you canadians but you know (laughs) i'd rather get my hemp from usa if i can get it from right down the street so Um, me too all right anything else you want to say about mitochondria i know that could be a whole hour and 20 books and all that but anything else that you're particularly doing or or thinking about for improving mitochondrial function 
Well, it's mainly the omega-6s that we have to get in that old mitochondria. It's not just coconut oil anymore, folks. Coconut oil is good for the brain, source of MCTs, but you need your essential fatty acids. When we do fatty acid testing, Evan, and this is important, the most deficient oil of all is from the linoleic acid component, which is the uh, omega-6s. So I say bring back good omega-6s, and we do that in radical metabolism. That's one of the reasons it's radical. Yep, yep. Yeah, that, that was a question I'm supposed to ask you. Why? Oh. Why is it radical? Why is your book radical? Because everybody uses words like that, and then it's like, uh-oh, what, is it really radical? I hope so. Oh, well, I'm the, I'm the original radical nutritionist, <laughs> for God's sakes. I mean, nobody wrote about fats when I did in the, in the, in the era of the high-complex carbohydrate diet, but I said, wait, fats, we need the good fats for our cells, for our hair, for our nails, for our brain, for our hearts, for our joints. And I think what makes this radical is that we talk about forbidden fats, which is radical, forgotten flavors, and even certain beverages that people need to eat and drink to supercharge metabolism. So let me ask you a couple more things. You've got a product that is a GLA that's coming from black currant seed oil. Do you personally take that? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. And what do you, what do you see with GLA? Because that's also in this whole category of good fats that you're talking about, correct? I, I see that it helps my joints, and I'm past 50 at this point, so I don't have joint aches and pains. That's number one. It's good for morning stiffness. It's good for premenopausal, postmenopausal, and menopausal issues. And I see that it's not as estrogenetic as the evening primrose oil, which used to be our go-to for omega-6. Right. I, I was going to say, I feel like one time you and I talked, you were all on the evening evening primrose so you like this black currant better now i like it because a lot of women were getting breakthrough bleeding which shows it was too estrogenetic so Holy yes smokes and that was with the uh the evening primrose yep 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 wow. i mean i i have huge amounts of women that are on many of my focus groups or the i guess facebook groups is so what they're called how you know how do you you know compare like the cla so the sourcing on that is safflower oil versus like the gla yeah. How do you so compare the, and contrast those? I like them both. I like the CLA and the GLA. GLA is essential. CLA is necessary. It's kind of a criti- considered a critical fatty acid. And we find that when people take the CLA, they lose weight faster, their heart seems to be improved, and it's very good as an antioxidant to protect against breast cancer. Got it, got it. So a lot of people like in the the paleo world they're going to hate on safflower oil so oh so let them hate but we'll lose weight and look great so what what's the deal with safflower why do you say it's okay while why others say it's not okay because if it's a pure unadulterated unsprayed oil it's a high source of linoleic acid ah okay okay so if it's a clean source don't lose sleep over it not at all okay cool cool uh, i think that's all I want to ask you. This has been really, really fun, and we'll send people to your website so that they can check out the book. It's going to be RadicalMetabolism.com. You guys can pre-order it. If by the time you're listening to this, the book is already out, then just go order it. And also, and have some pretty cool bonuses that you're going to get in here, which is including 25 recipes and some other awesome stuff. Yes, we want all of your people to pre-order or order, and then they can be part of our Radical Metabolism group, and I can keep them in touch with what I'm doing, and then you and I can chat again. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's always good to chat with you, so I hope that you take good care and you don't burn yourself out hustling to to make this book a success. uh, (laughs) No no worries. All right. Awesome, Anne Louise. Will you take good care of yourself? You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
As always, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Like I said, Anne has some good golden nuggets, so she's worth listening to. I mean, here's the deal with the kombucha. Like a lot of you guys emailed me after the first time that you heard her talk about that and like, oh my God, I'm addicted to kombucha. Well, first of all, that's a problem. So you got to get rid of the addiction and you got to fix your gut. More than likely, you've got a candida overgrowth. I've tested over a thousand people and most people who drink too much kombucha, they have a yeast overgrowth in their gut. You can have too much of a good thing. So what I personally do, I drink maybe one kombucha a month and that's just like a special treat for me. It's like, oh, here we go, and then I'm done with it. So it's not something in my daily or even my weekly routine. Now, am I saying that's the ultimate way to approach it? No, I'm just telling you what I do, and I feel good with it. As I mentioned in the beginning, if you want to learn more about some of the symptoms, conditions, things that I work on, whether it's prenatal care, infertility issues, when all the IVF and conventional doctors fail, functional medicine can really help with fertility, whether it's Uh, mood issues, depression, anxiety, sleep issues, adrenal problems, thyroid issues, autoimmunity, skin issues. Had a little girl, her mom may be listening. Hello, if you are. Little nine-year-old girl a few weeks ago. Just a great, great story. Uh, She was in a wedding coming up soon. I think she was a flower girl or something. I don't know. She was in the wedding of some sort and she was covered in a skin issue, you know, a rash basically all over her whole body. And of course, conventional doctors have no solutions but steroid creams and other garbage. And so we cleaned up her diet. We tested her gut. She had several different infections in the gut, implemented a protocol on the six week follow up. And I was, you know, doing a a FaceTime, you know, video chat with the mom and the daughter. After the six week follow up, 95% of the skin issue had been resolved. You couldn't even tell anything was there. We used no drugs. We did no surgery. We did no steroids. We just did root cause medicine. We fixed the gut and we dialed in the diet and everything was better. So that's really the power of this when you do get the data and you know what you're up against. Now, if you're just shooting into the dark and you take a bunch of random supplements, you're probably wasting your time and money. So I would encourage you not to do that. You're going to spend more money in the long term doing that versus if you just work with a practitioner, you get your testing done, you get to the root cause. So if you have another practitioner on board and they're taking great care of you, awesome. If you don't and you need help, feel free to reach out to my office. We look forward to helping you soon. And I'll talk with you all next week. The website is evanbrand.com, E-V-A-N, last name brand, like brand name, B-R-A-N-D.com. Take good care of yourself. Enjoy your summer while it's here. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then you guys are going to be coming into a totally different time of the time of the year. So either way, enjoy yourself, get outside, move, exercise, get sunshine, go to bed on time. You know all the stuff you need to be doing. Make sure you don't skip out on the simple, low-hanging fruit. Okay, bye-bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss her girl and I never leaves her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible blues. Why I'm in a tie, I got to watch out, girl. Don't want to see her by her eyes out, girl. Because I've been watching, you've been hurting. Let me be the one that loves you better.